As I said, it is an absolute privilege and an honor to be able to come and share the word with you tonight. And I do echo the welcome to everyone that's joining us online. It is such a strange phenomenon still for me uh, to you know, to communicate in two places at once. But although, to be honest, it actually felt weird to only communicate in the room this morning. We're so used to communicating on both medias these days, uh, particularly with my home church as well, that it's, it's, really, it's just a really cool honor and a privilege to be able to share the word. So I am honored to be here. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, so I'm a, a minister of the word. I'm a pastor out at Gawler Uniting Church. I've been there in placement for about four years. But long before I ever did ministry, um, I became a follower of Jesus in my teens. Um, that was a pretty important decision in my life. Perhaps the second most important one was uh, marrying my beautiful wife, Eloise, uh, who's here with our two daughters, uh, Mackenzie and Phoebe, six and two years of age next week, which is really cool. We get to um, baptize uh, Phoebe next Sunday at my local church, which is really, really cool. So we're super excited. For that, we'll celebrate her birthday as well. We don't quite know how many people are going to be allowed to be there at this point, but we'll wait and see. Exciting all the same. Uh, so part of the other things I do with my time, I'm a police chaplain, uh, and so that involves me spending a couple of hours every week down at Elizabeth Police Station, uh, ministering and pastoring to the police officers down there as they journey with the, the complexity of, of uh, caring for the community, and I really feel that's, a, that's something that God put on my heart uh, in terms of ministering to those that support and care for us in the community. And part of the reason I did that was, before I was a pastor, I was a police officer, uh, Mike kind of mentions that every time that he talks about me from somewhere. But you didn't mention it today, did you? So maybe you were... Anyway. Uh, it's the Indian. <laughs> it's the Indian from lunch, which was awesome, but far out. I'm battling through it a little bit at the moment. <laughs> By God's grace, we are here. So you, you, you did mention that the 4 p.m. You just preach a little bit looser. I, I can appreciate that. But here we are. So... All right, so I was a police officer for five years before jumping into ministry. Uh, it's a really interesting story for that transition. Most people find that a bit curious, so I'd love to talk with you about that if you wanted to know a little bit more. But uh, in terms of my interests, I'm an Xbox gamer. Not professionally, but I certainly enjoy a, a good game of uh, 2K or uh, something like that, which is a good bit of fun. Uh, and the other thing that I really enjoy, which you can judge me later if you want to, or you can judge me now, that's cool. Uh, I'm a Warhammer enthusiast. So some of you are like, war what? And yeah, you run around, you have these little men and you, you move them around the battlefield, kind of like chess, but way more nerdy and way less socially accepted. Um, and so that's, that's a thing. So Pastor Mike, we've known each other for a very long time, and he gave, me, he gave me flack for this hobby 15 years ago when he found a book when I was staying with my brother, and, and he found the book there. He's like, oh, still into that? And I'm like, oh, this guy. And he hasn't felt much different about that since anyway. But that is what it is. Hey, tonight I want to talk with us about uh, something from Acts chapter 10. But before we, before we jump into the Word, I wanted to invite you to consider a question. Have you had a, ever had a moment in your life when you look around at the situation and, and you just think, man, this is just not going the way that I thought it would? Anyone ever had a moment like that in your life? Or it's like, I, yeah, I had these expectations and I'm just looking around and this isn't just not working out the way that I thought it would. This is not going the way that I thought it would go. And I, if I were to be honest, as a parent of two young daughters, that is like an exercise in this feeling in your life. 
It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. As a pastor, you can bring your kids to church and they can be super good for the first 10 minutes of the service and then everything changes. I don't know what happens. They get filled with the Holy Spirit or something happens and they just lose the plot. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah. So in, in parenting, it's a bit like that where you just consistently encounter different moments where you just wish things would go differently and they're just not. It doesn't matter whether it's family dinners or bedtime or pop into the shops, whatever. And if there's any parents in the room, I'm sure you can relate to that in some way. But I know not everyone is a parent, but I think this is a shared experience, this feeling of things not going quite the way that you want them to. It can be to do with your life goals. It might be that you had a a picture in your life of how, where you were going to be at this point whether it was entering uni or finishing uni or starting a job or going straight from uni into a job or whatever that looks like, you might look around at your life and go, this is not where I thought I would be. This is not how I thought things were going to go. Or it could be a relationship. You had a picture of a relationship and how that was all going to work out and and, and now it isn't. And we've got to figure out what, what do we do with that Job progression. I don't think there's too many people in the room, as far as I can see, that are, are headed to retirement anytime soon. Unless, of course, you live in the dream and you're planning to retire by the time you're 25. You're like a lucrative YouTube channel or an influencer of some sort. Any, anyone in the room? I'm not that guy. But um, if that's you, that's great. But it might be that something changes in those plans. Your expectations of reality don't quite fit with what you're looking around and what's actually going on. And I think last year was an exercise in our holiday plans, not quite working out the way we thought they would. We look around and we go, man, I wish I was somewhere else. I wish I was doing something else, but I can't because it's just not happening. We've all had that moment where we just stop and we think, this this is not how it was meant to go. And that feeling, that moment in time brings something out in us when we've got this expectation of how reality was going to work out and we've got this reality that we're experiencing and it brings up these senses of emotion in us, emotions of discomfort and and frustration and and anger and disappointment. Anyone relate to that stuff? We're just unmet expectations. And so as we jump into the Word tonight, I want you to hold on to that feeling that memory, that, that sense of disconnectedness. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is, is a character in the Bible, the Apostle Peter. He journeyed with Jesus in his life and ministry. And Peter had a moment just like this, where he had a picture in his mind of how everything was going to go, and then he has an encounter and a moment in time, and everything changes. And so I want to talk about that tonight, because we are in a series that you do every year, as far as I understand, called The Power of Encounter. And really, as Pastor Mike shared about it last week, it's about realigning the heart of the church and the heart of our journeys of faith individually towards or orienting ourselves towards the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit wants to move in our life. Because sometimes I think a disconnect for many of us is we wonder if the Holy Spirit will or won't move or whatever. But I think sometimes what we desperately need is an expectation that if when we invite the Holy Spirit to move, He will move. Because He wants to. God wants to meet us in those places that we invite Him in. And sometimes the only disconnect is us and our orientation towards God or not. And Pastor Mike quoted last week that one of the biggest challenges for us in our middle-class Christianity sort of worldview is that we trend towards comfort, 
don't we? We got heaters on, we got, we got lights, we're in a sort of a dry room, assuming the roof holds out and all that sort of thing. Pray, yeah, that's it, we'll pray into that. But we, if, if we're honest, we do have this sort of middle class Christianity vibe going in our life, and that might be a little offensive to you, and I'm sorry if that's the case, but it is what it is. And what happens when we get comfortable is we get complacent about the work of the Spirit in our life. We think that with comfort comes control. And when we've got control, we, we feel like we can do it without God. And so God doesn't necessarily fade from our heart, but fades from our focus. And so this whole series is about bringing the Spirit back into focus for us in what it means to live out our mission and ministry as both personally as followers of Jesus and in the world. So if you missed last week's message, I've got to tell you, you've got to go back and listen to it or watch it. If you're joining us online, please go back and watch that. In fact, if you're, if you're streaming this on demand, pause this and go back and watch last week's sermon because it'll make a whole lot more sense because Mike did a whole lot of heavy lifting last week in terms of theology around the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and, it's a, and the Holy Spirit is a person and we can understand it that way, but the Trinity and all that stuff fit together. Mike does a an awesome job of packaging that. So make sure you go back and listen if you didn't catch up with it. But you guys were all here last week anyway because, you know, everyone attends church every week. Yeah. So I'm grateful, Pastor Mike, for doing that heavy lifting so I don't have to. So let's jump in. So if you do have your Bible with you, we're headed to Acts chapter 10. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Acts is a, a book, a, a writing in the New Testament to travel journal of a guy called Luke. Uh, who was a doctor that recorded the life and ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the early church. So he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Well done. To the front row. Thank you for that. Sorry, you were so busy trying to find it on your phones because that's what you're doing. Um, so one of the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. So, But before we jump into the passage specifically, I want to give you a little bit of context. I want to jump us back to Acts chapter 7. The early church is forming and they're beginning to experience persecution from the broader culture around them. And we read in Acts chapter 7 the execution of a young guy who would have been younger than most of you in the room, if we're honest, as far as we understand it, I think. And he was executed as being a follower of Jesus. His name was Stephen. And this scatters the early church. And they flee in every single direction, trying to escape the persecution. And as they spread, they, they, they spread the gospel of Jesus, the good news that they know of Jesus and, and him being raised from the dead and all that that means for the world and for people. They spread that gospel wherever they are called to go, wherever they find themselves as they flee and are persecuted. And suddenly the good news, which was previously contained in just Jewish communities, suddenly starts to break out into the Gentile world. And if you don't want to know what a Gentile is, a Gentile is anyone that isn't Jewish. So we're grateful that the gospel broke into the Gentile world because we're Gentiles. And because the, the, the prophecy over what God would do through the Jewish nation was so that they would be a blessing to the rest of the world. And we see that starting to take shape throughout the book of Acts. But people start coming to faith in Jesus who are not Jewish. And that's, a, that's great news. In fact, one of the, the central characters of the New Testament, other than Jesus, is Paul of Tarsus. And he persecutes the early church. He makes it his job to do so. But then in Acts chapter 9, he has a radical conversion experience. He meets the risen Jesus on the road. It blinds him. Great story if you read that in Acts chapter 9. 
But Paul gives, is given a commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and go right through the Mediterranean area and plant churches. And most of the New Testament is the letters that he wrote to those churches. And so that's good news, right? The gospel is coming to these Gentile communities and Gentiles are coming to faith. But what that does is it created a problem in the early church. And we don't get it so much in our context, but this was a big deal. Because up until now, it was only Jews that had come to faith in Jesus. And Jews had some very specific cultural and and temple traditions, purity laws, ceremonial purity laws that they had to uphold. And so what ha- and one of those was the law of circumcision. Now, if you're not familiar with what circumcision is about, ask Pastor Mike after the service. It makes a few people a little uncomfortable. But it was a sign of the covenant between God and the Jewish nation. And that's cool for them. <laughs> but the thing about it was that as the As Gentiles started coming to faith, there was a conversation that started to be had between the Jewish leaders of the Christian church and these Gentile believers, and it didn't go down so well, because there's this conversation happening with these Gentile men that have just come to faith, and they're like, hey, so have you ever thought about getting circumcised as an adult man? Can you imagine how that conversation went? Or perhaps how it was received? There's a couple of guys going, oh... Yeah, no, I can't. Not, just not even. And so there was a tension that was rising in the community about, all, how, like, how do these Gentile people, how do these Gentile followers of Jesus fit into a community of faith that's predominantly Jewish? Where does it all fit together? And then we hear in the middle of Acts chapter 9 that the church has found peace and flourished. And then we pick up this passage with Peter. His ministry has continued. We read stories of healing. He raises a a girl called Tabitha back to life. That's a cool story. Read that one. And then we jump into a a passage at the start of Acts chapter 10 about a Roman centurion, a military officer called Cornelius. And we read that Cornelius is out in Caesarea. That's actually where the Roman governor would have have normally stayed. It was the Roman capital of Judea. And this centurion by the name of Cornelius, the passage tells us that he was respected by his peers, but he was also a man of generosity and and a man of integrity. And he actually believed in God. He was what was known as a God-fearer. He was a, a Gentile person that had believed in the one true God. He believes in Yahweh, but was in a totally different section because he was not actually ever able to fully enter into worship because he wasn't Jewish. Hadn't ever made the step to making that a reality, among a couple of other things. But the thing about Cornelius is he has this vision one night. And the vision is of a, of a guy called Peter. And the vision says to Cornelius, I need you to go and get Peter. He's staying in a town called Joppa. It's about 50 kilometers south of Caesarea. I need you to go get him because he's got something really important to tell you. And so, obviously... Um, Cornelius says, okay, all right, I'll, I'll go get this guy. So he sends a couple of his soldiers and a couple of his attendants to go make the travel and find Peter. Now, about the same time, Peter's on the roof of the place he was staying there in Joppa, and he's waiting for his lunch. Just odd comment to notice in the text. It says he's hungry. But he has this vision in this moment in time. 
And the vision is of a sheet. Can you imagine it? A sheet descending from heaven. And on that sheet is a whole bunch of animals that were considered in the Jewish tradition to be unclean. But basically animals that you just wouldn't really consider a good idea to eat. Now you can fill that sheet with whatever enters your mind about what's inappropriate to have on that sheet. For, for the Jewish tradition, it was, it was you know, lizards and reptiles and dolphins and, and um, uh, the, uh, pigs and things like that. But for us, it can be you know, like um, echidnas and wombats and whatever it is that fits in your mind as something that just does not quite fit. Like it's just not okay to eat that. What, fill, fill your mind with whatever that would be. And the voice from heaven comes to Peter and it says, Peter, take, kill, and eat what's in front of you. And Peter responds as a good Jewish guy. He says, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. All of this stuff is unclean. And if I eat it, then I'm unclean. And then I'm not going to be able to worship in the temple. And this, God, you know the system that you gave us. If I do this, then I can't and it just won't work. And the voice says to Peter, you can't. He says, do not call anything impure that God has declared clean. Do not call anything impure that God has declared clean. And, and this conversation happens back and forth between, um, between Peter and God three times. And then the sheet it lifts back up to heaven. And at that moment, Cornelius' attendants arrive. They arrive and they, and they call Peter. And you can imagine Peter sort of looking over the edge of, the, of the, the, the balcony of the house or the roof of the house and seeing these Roman soldiers down there asking his name. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I want to go with them because I know what happens to us folks when, you know. And, but a, a voice comes to him and says, no, just go with him. It's safe. It's going to be okay. And so he does. He goes with them and, and he travels up to Caesarea and he arrives at the house of Cornelius, the centurion. And all of his household is there and the people, different people that he would have influence over are all there with him. And Cornelius says to him, all right, I've been told to bring you here. I brought you here. Now what have you got to tell me? And so Peter, knowing that he's in the context of people who've never heard the good news of Jesus before, declares something extraordinarily true. He says this, verse 34. Peter began to speak. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the ones who fear him and do what is right. And you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. And you know what happened. Throughout this entire province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after, John, after the baptism that John preached, which is one of repentance, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, the opposer of God in the world, because God was with him. Everyone knew what was going on with Jesus. Everyone in this district, everyone in this region had heard what had been happening. You know, you don't feed 5,000 people with like a, a boy's lunchbox without the broader group of people hearing about it. You don't, you don't raise 
people from the dead. You don't heal the sick. You don't give sight to the blind without word getting out. Way before there was Instagram, way before Jesus would have taken the selfie of him doing it to prove that he had done it, the credibility of the acts themselves were all the news that was needed. Amen? Maybe there's a word there for some of the way that... Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Pastor Mike can preach about that another time. But everyone had heard what was happening over there in Judea, but no one really knew what it meant. Because, well, but Peter continues in verse 39, he says, because we are witnesses of everything that he did. We were there, we saw it. Of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. See, he hadn't gone out to the Gentiles yet. But, but they killed him. And they hung him on a cross. And for most people that had heard about the ministry of Jesus, that's where the story ended. They're like, oh yeah, just another Jewish revolutionary. And he's, he did some cool stuff for a while. We don't really, really quite understand how he did that, but given enough time, that'll all fade. And we'll just, we'll just we'll, uh, science will explain that someday. And for, so for many people, that's where the story ends. But, in verse 40, but God. The story ends with Jesus' death, right? No, no, but God. But God raised him, that is Jesus, from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by everybody, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us, we ate and we drank with him after he rose from the dead. Two extraordinary, two extraordinary proofs. In the ancient world, there are a bunch of proofs about uh, if, if it, whether someone was actually there or, or whether they were just a spirit or something like that. And one of those proofs was eating and drinking in your presence. So that was, that was just one of the, the ancient apologetics they had to say, no, no, this wasn't just Jesus' spirit just cruising around because he was upset that he got crucified. No, no, this is the resurrected Jesus. We saw him. I had breakfast with him on the beach, says Peter. I jumped out of the boat and swam to him. And he commanded us, verse 42, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets, because you God-fearers, you would get this, all the prophets testify about him, and that everyone who believes in him, here it is, receives forgiveness through his name. So this was... I believe this was the message Peter had prepared, and he was about to go on and do an altar call of some sort. But while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit came. And it came upon all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. But hang on a second. Hang on a second. But these, these people hadn't been adopted into the church. You know, they, they weren't Jews, so we got this framework. Peter's got this framework of how this is all meant to fit together. You know, people come to faith and they become Jews and they accept the, the, the um, Old Testament law stuff. And, and he's got this whole system in mind. Yet in a moment in time, while he's still preaching... The Holy Spirit 
enters that place and anoints these people before they had done anything to earn that blessing. And the Holy Spirit is poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said in response, Surely no one then can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. As the apostle, that was his authority to declare. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So in this moment, there's no longer Jew and Gentile. There's now just follower of Jesus? Yes. And it suddenly starts to make sense the encounter that he had on the rooftop over lunch. Suddenly God speaks into this moment. He says, whatever I declare clean, you cannot declare it unclean. So the system that you had in your mind of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus has got nothing to do with what you thought it did and everything to do with what I say it does. And so in this moment, by the sovereign power of God and the Spirit, Peter's system is interrupted. His perspective and his worldview is interrupted by a sovereign spirit that does what it wants to do. And I wonder if in that moment, as I was reading it, as I was reflecting on this passage, that's the moment I felt for Peter. He's like, man, this is not going the way that I thought it would. I had a system in mind. I had, I had a clear process there's, there's got to be, you've got to go through the whole growth track. Or you've got to go through the whole baptism course. Do you understand what I mean? There's, so often we put a system around things, and yet the Spirit, in a moment in time, wakes Peter up and interrupts his perspective. Because up until now, there was no category for how the Gentiles fit into all of this worship. And so the Spirit inter- interrupts Peter's system. And if I were to have, a, I guess, a title for the message tonight, it's interrupting the system. Because God does a new thing in that moment. A Gentile Pentecost, I suppose you could say that it is. And brings an anointing that no one saw coming. That no one, not even Peter, the guy who'd been hanging out with Jesus, saw coming. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, I believe tonight, I believe the Spirit, reflecting on the power of encounter, I believe the Spirit wants to interrupt a system in your life somewhere. What if if the Spirit wants to interrupt a system in your life tonight? Would Would you be open to that? Because for some of us, we might, be, we might, we might have come here with, with a sense of what it is that God is doing in the world and how it is that we're called to be involved in it. We don't have a lot of margin or a lot of room for anything else because it all fits in neatly. But I believe that's, that God wants to, to bring a word into your life tonight that interrupts the systems of thinking that you have about the way that things are meant to go. And so I don't know, I don't know your story I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know 
what was, what's, what's top of mind for you, what you brought into this place. But I believe that God has a word from the Spirit to interrupt a system of thought in your life, to give you a bigger, broader perspective of who God is in the world and what He is capable of. Do you believe it? Because it might be for you tonight, the system that you have in your mind is that you think you're not good enough. And that can be applied to all sorts of different things. But you might feel like you are not good looking enough. You're not cool enough. You're not a good enough parent. You're not a good enough partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, son, parent, spouse. It could be anything to do with a failure in your life. It isn't going the way you thought it would. And you're dragging around this narrative in your mind that says you are not good enough. And so tonight I believe the Spirit wants to speak a word into your life and interrupt that thought with a word of love. That who you are and and your value has got so little to do with what you do in this world and so much more to do with who created you, who loves you, and who called you according to His purposes for your life. So maybe tonight, the Spirit needs to interrupt the thoughts that tell you you're not good enough, because they're not from God. And instead, put into your heart a word of love that says you are called and you are loved just as I created you. But then for some of you tonight, it might be that, the God, that God needs to interrupt the system of your religion. Now, I, one of the fun things about being a guest preacher is I get to call you out on stuff that I don't have to deal with pastorally later on. <laughs> and so maybe tonight, we need to, I need to call some of, someone out here for your Sunday Christianity. That for some of us, if we're honest, we're really good at church and we're really good at Christianity when there's other Christians in the room. But when we're out there on Monday, faith looks a whole lot different because the pressures are different. We don't have the people around us to encourage us and spur us on and, and guide us forward, but instead we struggle to live out our faith. Or we just don't want to live out our faith. Because it's not comfortable anymore. Well, for some of you, perhaps the narrative is, I'm good without life groups because I can do faith on my own and I don't really have time anyway. Faith grows best in community. Pastor Mike, Pastor Jenny will tell you that all day long and twice on Sundays. And also on Wednesday nights. (laughs) During the month of July, if you didn't pay attention to that. (laughs) Yeah, come on, get around that. And so it could be that that narrative that I I got this and I'll I'll consume Christianity in the different ways that I think are appropriate for me and my my calendar. Perhaps there's a challenge that the Spirit wants to interrupt that system of religion in your life and speak about the truth of who God is, but also how much support you need as a follower of Jesus by having other people around you to support you in your journey of faith. Maybe that's what the Spirit needs to interrupt, that it needs to breathe a fresh perspective of God's ability and sovereignty in the world, in your life. Because maybe for some of you that the Spirit needs to interrupt the expectations of what is possible. I wonder if, is there someone here that's that's accepted a reality about your life that you prefer wasn't there? An area of brokenness. A person that hasn't come to faith even though you've been praying for him for years. And I wonder if tonight the Spirit 
needs to interrupt the narrative about what you're believing is possible. Because if you're honest, you've sort of, you've prayed about it for a while, but then you sort of gave up because you know, I don't really, I'm not even sure that God cares or if God's listening. My prayers just bounce off the ceiling. I don't get it. And so you've given up. You don't even think that God cares or that God's even got the power to do anything about it. But instead, tonight, I believe the Spirit might want to speak into your life a word yeah. of possibility, yeah. a word of sovereignty, yes. and interrupt your narrative yeah. and your thought with a word of power. Yeah, so it could be tonight that you need a power encounter, a breakthrough in your life. And I believe, this, I believe there's someone here that that's their moment tonight, that you've been wrestling with something that you've given up praying for because you don't even think it's possible. But tonight, I believe there is a moment, a spirit of encounter, because God has a divine appointment with you. And then for some of you, it could just be that the system that the Holy Spirit wants to interrupt in your life is a system of thought that says there's no hope left in the world. I don't know your story. I don't know how you got, I don't know how you came to be here. But it could be for some of you here, you just dragged yourself barely through the door as a last chance just to give this whole faith thing a crack. And God, if you don't rock up, I'm done. I'm looking around at the world. I don't know what to do with the suffering. I don't know what to do with the uncertainty. I don't, I don't have any hope anymore. And I believe that God wants to interrupt you where you are and give you a word of hope. And that, that word is Jesus. That Jesus lived and Jesus died so that you could find life, a life of fullness in his name. That's God's plan for your life. Regardless of anything else, there's that. And that matters more than anything else we could strive for in the world. And we can try other things. We can look for other things to find, give, fill us with hope. And they work for a while and then they don't. And then some, some of those things eat us alive. But the only thing, the only thing that can bring us true hope is when the Spirit interrupts our hopelessness and speaks the word Jesus over our life, over your life. And all you need to do is call on his name and, and be saved. That's, it's that simple. It's that, it's that easy. So I guess tonight, where does the Spirit need to interrupt a system for you? A system of thought that had the expectations of how this was all meant to go. But the Spirit needs to do something new. Needs to bring a breakthrough. Wants to bring a breakthrough for you. So I'm going to invite the band to come up as we, as we finish. And I don't know where this lands for you. But we're going to create a, we're gonna, we believe there's a moment that God wants to encounter us with. A moment that invites us to listen. To listen to what the Spirit wants to say. And how the Spirit wants to speak. Because if we listen, the Spirit will speak. And so I don't know where this lands for you. But I believe something is stirring. Something is stirring that is inviting you to make a change. 
to do something different, to place your hope in the thing that will never let you down. So we're going to sing a song in a minute and we're going to treat that as an opportunity to respond. And so wherever this lands for you, allow the Spirit to interrupt your expectations, to interrupt what's going through your minds and speak a word of love and truth and hope for you that you weren't expecting but that you desperately, desperately needed.